Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, friends. Welcome back to another episode of the Brita World Football Podcast. Say it with me. It's the most important podcast in the universe. My name is Josh Norris. We're happy to have you back here for the week 14 slate, trying to help you win your first round matchup. Later on, I have Rotopat joining me so I can pick on his rankings like I do each and every week. And by the way, check out Roto World Live this Sunday, noon Eastern, Facebook.com slash Roto World. It'll be me, Rich Rebar, Evan Silva. To Pat, Gray Summerlin for 45 minutes answering all of your start sit questions. I have some, you have some, so get them in. And to start off, as we do each and every Friday slash Saturday, it's Evan Silva. Evan writes the matchups column, as you know, over at rotorworld.com. Every single fantasy relevant player is covered. Evan, I ask you each time before this episode, uh, who should we talk about? And to my joy, maybe you just did this for me to f- make me feel good. You wanted to start off. With Steven Anderson. <laughs> well, you know, for full disclosure, it was actually your suggestion. True. But uh, I definitely like Steven Anderson this week. So Bruce Ellington, not going to play due to a concussion. Braxton Miller on the doubtful side of questionable with a concussion. CJ Fedorowicz, definitely out with a concussion. Uh, Will Fuller is due back from his cracked ribs. Don't know if he's going to be a full-time player. I mean, they were so short-handed. The Texans were so short-handed at receiver last week that they were, going to, they were using Andre Ellington, Bruce's brother, at slot receiver. He's going to play slot receiver again this week, and it's probably going to be Will Fuller and DeAndre Hopkins, of course, on the outside. And Steven Anderson is going to play. I would expect him to play almost every single snap. He played 84% of the snaps last week. He saw a career-high 12 targets, turned him into five catches, for 79 yards and a touchdown. This is a very good matchup against the 49ers. If you go back and look at just their last seven games, they've given up big games uh, in six of those seven games. Redskins tight ends had seven for 102 against them. Cowboys tight ends had five for 61 and a touchdown against them. Eagles tight end seven catches for 69 and a touchdown. Cardinals tight ends, three for 39 and a touchdown. Giants tight ends, six for 31 and a touchdown. Seahawks tight ends, five for 63 and two touchdowns. 
against the Texans. What do you what did you like about Steven Anderson coming out of college? Yeah, and he was an undrafted free agent coming out of Cal, um, obviously with Jared Goff there. And, and I mean, he was just a move tight end, right? He was a receiving tight end. Uh, a lot of people were excited, if you remember, uh, with, with Thomas Duarte. You remember that name coming out of UCLA? Yes. Uh, Bo Sandland as well out of Montana State, the former Miami guy. And both ended up going the seventh round, so it's not like the NFL loved them as much as you know people on the outside seem to. Uh, but, I, I mean, I was a fan of Steven Anderson. And, again, he ended up going undrafted. He was a good athlete as well. But I just thought that with how spread out they were in that offense, obviously, that he kind of had this mindset of he had a right to get open and, you know, was a, a very, very solid receiving tight end in the short and intermediate areas. And, I mean, you you mentioned, what, 12 t- targets last week? I mean, we rarely, rarely see that yep. from the tight end position. Yeah, and he actually did line up in the slot quite a few, quite a bit last week. I think he'll probably do that a little bit less. I, I bet he, I bet he will uh, continue to see snaps in the slot. Um, but he's going to be a big part of their passing game. I mean, I would fully expect that. I think that you know DeAndre Hopkins is the one, and he's right there in the mix to finish second on the team in targets uh, against the 49ers. And you know, the Texans have shown a willingness to. Uh, let Tom Savage drop back and, and throw a lot of passes, uh, particularly last week. Now, they were playing from behind, uh, but Tom Savage had 49 attempts and threw for a career-high 354 yards. I mean, Steven Anderson is a guy that's uh, close to min – well, he is min price on FanDuel. He's uh, a little bit higher than min price hmm. on DraftKings, uh, and he's a guy that you can pick up right off the waiver wire and use in a tight end slot and, and feel okay about it. Can I ask you and pose you this question? Uh, Steven yeah. Anderson versus Greg Olson this week. Uh, I would go with uh, Steven Anderson. Okay. Uh, just really don't trust Greg Olson's health. You know, I, I know that they have continually said that they held him out as a precaution. I don't think that that really happens. You don't see guys miss games as a precaution. Uh, he suffered an aggravation of his foot injury two weeks ago. Uh, he's going to go up against a, a Vikings defense that hasn't given up very much production to tight ends this year and we don't know you know I, I even a couple weeks ago you know I didn't think he looked right when he was out there so he's he's in a prove it mode we did see Steven Anderson uh, produce in, in the recent past and therefore I would go with him and if Greg Olson looks good this week great I know to use him next week yep okay let's move on to Gio Bernard we just talked about volume in the form of targets for Steven Anderson we should expect a full workload this week for Gio Bernard against the Chicago Bears. Right. I mean, the only other back that they have that's really in the mix for any kind of touches, they haven't added a back uh, off the street or from their practice squad, uh, is Brian Hill, uh, who was drafted by the Falcons in the fifth round, struggled Mm -hmm. in the preseason, uh, didn't get any touches last week. I mean, after Joe Mixon went out, it was all Giovanni Bernard, and he looked excellent. Um, And Giovanni Bernard has shown us in the past that while he's not, you know, a 16 game 300 touch kind of workhorse player, but he's shown us in the past that he can do it for a few games for sure and be very effective in that kind of role. And this Bears defense over the course of the season uh, has, I mean, it's starting to take a a turn for the worse. I think Eddie Goldman, uh, their big nose tackle missed a bunch of practice time this week. They've lost Leonard Floyd and Pernell, Pernell McPhee uh, from their front seven. Danny Trevathan, uh, inside linebacker, has been in and out of the lineup. Jarrell Freeman, you know, was was gone a long time ago. 
their defense just in terms of talent is not what it was uh, earlier in the season. They haven't given up big numbers to running backs by any means, uh, holding them to 3.9 yards per carry and the fifth fewest receiving yards. So if you just look at it on paper, it doesn't look like the best matchup. But I think that this is a game where the Bengals can have a lot of offensive success. Uh, Andy Dalton, uh, as Joe, our, our buddy Joe Goodberry has shown you know, many times, uh, he tends to fare better against uh, uncommon opponents. And the Bears are an uncommon opponent. And then you look at uh, A.J. Green's matchup, uh, the the Bears have started to get shredded by number ones uh, over their past five games. Marquise Goodwin, Alshon Jeffrey, Marvin Jones, Devontae Adams, Michael Thomas have all had big games against them. So I think that the Bengals can be in positive game script. And I think that Giovanni Bernard can push for 20 or more touches. I have a call to make this week between Gio Bernard Jamal Williams and Kareem Hunt. I won't put you on the spot here, Evan, but I'm certainly going to get that answered on Rotoworld Live this Sunday. Again, noon Eastern, Facebook.com slash Rotoworld. By the way, Vincent and Victor and Vladimir and Vaughn and Vance and Vernon, please, if you have not subscribed to this podcast, no, no, please, just do it. I, I know you're enjoying it, so go ahead, hit that subscribe button. If you're already subscribed, leave a review. Uh, Evan, it is week 14, and this is the first time we have talked about Larry Fitzgerald all season. Uh, that's not true to all those that listen to this podcast. Tell me why, once again, Larry Fitzgerald continues to produce even with Blaine Gabbard as the quarterback. And maybe that's not fair, Evan, to Blaine Gabbard, by the way, because he's he's played probably better than the expectations were when the Cardinals signed him this offseason. Yeah, I, I, I would definitely agree with that. He's looked good since the preseason. He's looked comfortable in Bruce Arians' system. Uh, and the reason that he has a lot of comfort throwing between the numbers is because that's where he feels most comfortable throwing the ball. As we saw last week, last year with Jeremy Curley, and this was the reason why we wanted Blaine Gabbert to play uh, and not Drew Stanton to play. And Drew Stanton did uh, support a good game for Larry Fitzgerald. Uh, when he was, when he had the opportunity to, but we wanted Blaine Gabbert to be in there. I mean, this is, you know, it's it's a perfect marriage, and w- and we have seen that in every game that Blaine Gabbert has appeared in this season. Larry Fitzgerald is the guy that he's pushing the ball to aggressively, and we can also look at uh, the the slot receivers that have gone up against the Titans so far this year. Doug Baldwin ten for one hundred five and a touchdown. Jeremy Macklin eight for ninety eight. Uh, Brandon LaFell in a game where he played seventy five percent of his snaps in the slot. He's played a lot more slot. Uh, in the second half of the season, six for 95 and a touchdown, Brandon LaFell. Alan Hearn, six for 82 and a touchdown. Braxton Miller uh, playing a bunch of slot last week at 71 yards against him. Jarvis Landry, five for 44 in a touchdown. So if we can get something in that range from Larry Fitzgerald, uh, we'd be very pleased. Larry Fitzgerald, of course, runs 65% of his routes in the slot. The Titans have given up the third most touchdowns to wide receivers on the season. And the Titans may be without Logan Ryan, who has played slot corner for them uh, this year. He's uh, in, been in the concussion protocol now. He, I believe he did return to practice on Thursday, which is usually a good sign, but he's still got to pass through a few more steps uh, to be officially cleared for the game. So just a lot of things to like about Larry Fitzgerald, uh, you know, not to mention his two-date production. I mean, he's a top-five fantasy receiver on the year. Dang. It's pretty good stuff. Uh, okay, Marquise Goodwin will close it out with this name. 
someone who's always been viewed since coming out of Texas as a great athlete. And many times that is connected with vertical big play receiver. But now, Evan, he's not exactly being used like that with Jimmy Garoppolo at quarterback. Well, I mean, I'm not ready to say that he's not going to be used like that with Jimmy Garoppolo at quarterback. But it is true in Jimmy Garoppolo's first start that he was not just used as the a vertical streaker, uh, which I think was very promising because he had a very productive game. He was heavily targeted, eight targets, caught all eight for 99 yards. And uh, he did not rip any big plays, but we know that that's in his, his toolbox. We know that that's something that he's capable of. We also know that the Texans are very vulnerable to big plays on the perimeter. They've given up the most 40-plus yard receptions in the NFL this year. They've given up the 10th most 20-plus yard receptions in the NFL. Um, so, you know, we, we're, we're dealing in a, in a small sample here with Marquise Goodwin and Jimmy Garoppolo, but I thought that they had a connection. You know, he, Jimmy Garoppolo looked excellent in his first start and not in an in, in ideal environment at Soldier Field. He showed a connection with Marquise Goodwin and your boy Trent Taylor, mm -hmm. and he targeted them combined 14 times. They combined for 14 catches and uh, about 150 yards. So uh, I'm sorry, almost 200 yards. So um, I, I think that there are a lot of things. You know, Marquise Goodwin is a guy that probably is owned in some leagues or in, in, in probably over half of, of uh, redraft leagues that are still, you know, competitive and active. Um, but I, I think that he's also probably on the way in, on the waiver wire in some instances. And I think he's a guy who can pick up and plug and play. I think he's very much in play due to his big play ability. Uh, in in daily fantasy and due to his matchup. I mean, I, I would be excited to play uh, Marquise Goodwin this week in pretty much any format. I don't think he has a great floor. You know, he's never been that kind of a player. But certainly if he's going to be getting eight targets, uh, and these are going to be more accurate targets than he was seeing from C.J. Beathard and Brian Hoyer, uh, you know, I, I think that he will end up having a, a decent floor in the final month of the year. And I know Reeves pointed out in the worksheet, that what 49% of Jimmy Garoppolo's passes in New England were in the middle of the field and 51% last week. And again, we're dealing with small sample sizes here, but it, at, at some point, you know, defensive coordinators are going to start seeing that and maybe shift their defensive philosophy or coaching or outlook or whatever and somewhat overload the middle and maybe try to force him to throw outside the numbers. Just, just a guess. And who knows if coaching even happens that way. But just from reading that, that was where my brain initially went. Uh, all right, Evan, thank you so much. You can check out Evan's waiver column. Not, no, no, no. You can check out Evan's matchups column over at rotoworld.com. You can also check out Evan on Rotoworld Live, which is this Sunday, noon Eastern. Right after the break, we have RotoPat. I'm back here with the man himself, RotoPat. Pat, I want to start off with this question, as always, non football related. Take me back to when you were Patrick. You were not even Rotopat. It hasn't even been conceived yet, that name, okay? Maybe kindergarten, first grade, second grade. What was Patrick's, young Patrick's, favorite lunch? Favorite lunch, huh? Um, like when it was packed for you for school? Yeah. You know what My I mean? My favorite lunch was a peanut butter sandwich, no jelly um, a little baggie of nacho cheese Doritos, 
and then a baggie of four Oreos. Um, as you can see, my parents were very concerned with the nutritious uh, lunch for me. Did, did little um, Patrick have like a favorite snack? By the way, I'm sure you still had the same exact haircut as you do now. Uh, no, it was like short. I, I was short. Or it like was the short golden gram things? No, anything like I was that? An I was an Oreo man. Oreo man. Do you have a certain way um, of eating your Oreos? Always dunked. Always dunked. And so you dunk them and then you leave it in. You dunk the entire cookie. You put the whole thing in and you don't take it out till the final bubble has come up. You know how you dunk it? Like <laughs> those bubbles start coming. Like yeah. it's got to be as soft as possible. Got it. And that's, yeah, that was, um, that's how I did it. That's one way to learn patience, I guess, is just through yeah. Oreos. If you, yeah, if you don't wait, the Oreo will not be as good. You so go. got to pay the cost to be the Oreo boss. I did some, <laughs> I did some weird stuff growing up. Like uh, one time one of my friends ate a Three Musketeers with eating like all of the chocolate on the outside first and then the inside. And I did so a lot. I did yeah. it once. It was weird. I did a lot of really weird stuff. I'm going to say something like so gross. Okay, uh, give it to us. Something I liked growing up. Well, I, I honestly can't even believe I would share this, but <laughs> and it sounds like absolutely revol <laughs> revolting to me now. I used to eat sandwiches. There were just like four or five slices of extra sharp cheddar cheese. like off, Not like uh, sandwich slices, but you know, like off a brick. Yeah. You know, you like slice them off the end, like four or five of those and a miracle whip. And that was the entire sandwich. I will uh, tell you that we had like a quote unquote salad bar uh, in like the first through fourth grade stage. And my salad would just be uh, like the shredded cheddar and carrots. <laughs> and I would just dump a whole bunch of vinegar on it. Oh, my God. And, that, and I loved it. And I still love it. I mean, I don't eat just that anymore, but you can ask anyone at the NBC Sports headquarters. I eat salad every day, and it just has <laughs> vinegar on it. I went to a small Catholic parochial grade school, and our, not to knock it, but uh, the lunch options were pretty bad. Um, we didn't really have a ton of variety, so I couldn't even have concocted a like a crazy kid salad bar salad, even if I wanted to. But but everywhere, I think the universal language is taco salad day was the best day. Um, At St. Peter's Elementary, it was uh, pizza day. We did it. we did like the pizza. And did, what did you say? Taco what? Taco actually, salad day. We, we I was going to say, okay, we actually did love Taco Bowl day, so you're yep. right. <laughs> yep. All right, Pat, let's get into football, I guess. Uh, you have Alex Smith, and by the way, you can find Pat's rankings over at rotoworld.com. Pat has Alex Smith as quarterback two versus the Oakland Raiders. Obviously a cake matchup, right? However, like Alex Smith started the season exceptionally well. First six to eight weeks, whatever it is. But in the last like two to four weeks minus last week, he really, really, really let us down. So why did last week's performance all already put him in your good graces? Well, you know, it's late in the season. Maybe not as many people are listening, so I, I feel comfortable getting a little darker. Um, this is this is a kill me now ranking, basically. Uh, <laughs> Kylo like Pat, I, right here. I I still okay. Frankly, I still think Alex Smith should be benched. I know a lot of really smart people think that's a hot take, but uh, I mean, the Chiefs drafted Patrick Mahomes because in the playoffs last year, Alex Smith, you know, once again demonstrated like there's a hard ceiling to your football team when you have Alex Smith. And to me, he hasn't done anything this year to disprove that. But, uh, 
you know, I don't know. Maybe there's something in the narrative that he only plays well like when his job's on the line because last week was like the first time all year that the Mahomes talk, you know, was like not being taken like super seriously still, but was like a le- legitimate storyline all week. And he had a good matchup last week, came out and ripped it. Uh, so, I mean, he's probably still playing like his hair is on fire. It's another amazing matchup. He's already ripped the Raiders once this year. The Raiders have stopped Geno Smith and Paxton Lynch this year and nobody else. So, and I feel like I'm saying this every week, but it's been kind of, you know, like a weird transition year at quarterback where like a lot of the older veterans are struggling. A lot of the young, you know, like kind of like the new blood is struggling. And then like, there's just like a lot of tough matchups this week. And so, you know, Alex kind of reproved himself last week and has an amazing home matchup. So just kind of by virtue of all that, uh, we have Alex Smith. QB2 yeah. I mean, with that said, for- I'm, I'm, I'm playing Alex in cash. But it's one of those where I just wonder, is last week kind of infiltrating our brains and making us oh, look sure. like the previous yeah. two to three games? But, it's I a, mean, once again, to start the season with six and eight games, he was one of, if not the most consistent quarterback out there. It's a, it's just, it's a kill me now ranking. Got it. All right, Kylo Pat. Uh, <laughs> Leonard Fournette running back seven versus the Seattle Seahawks. It has kind of been a down two games here for Leonard Fournette, right? Um, Been down four games. Yeah, for I, I mean, he had like 50-something yards, like 54 yards last week, but found the end zone, which kind of saved his day. Uh, other than that, mm-hmm. he had like 20 yards last week. Um, look, the Seattle Seahawks, since trading for Sheldon Richardson, have been outstanding against the run. I would – you know, who, who knows how this game's going to go, right? It, they might have positive game script. They might have negative or it might be even throughout. Um, but what gives you so much confidence – and ranking Leonard Fournette as a guaranteed top 12 running back. Nothing. Nothing actually gives me confidence in it. This is another one. I hate this ranking. I despise it. You're welcome. This is like, teach me how to get it lower. Like somehow I'll take a class on like how to rank Leonard Fournette lower this week. But uh, to quote David Chappelle, quoting Rick James, or maybe it was actually Rick James who said it himself in the thing, a workload is a hell of a drug. And uh, Leonard Fournette's got it, and he's going to have touchdown opportunity, I think. So I've got him there. I mean, it's like, who do I put in front of him? Do I put Devontae Freeman on a short week ahead of him? You, you know, Better as whatever, Lamar not Mi- put Kareem Hunt ahead of him. I'm say, do I, yeah, do I put Lamar Miller, Kenyon Drake, uh, Marshawn Lynch, or Samaji P. Ryan, Alfred Morris, Carlos Hyde? It's just like, where do you turn in these tough times? And uh, so, yeah, it's just all about the workload and um, – T's and P's to my Leonard Fournette ranking. Uh, you shift over to Gio Bernard for the same exact reasons. That's what you do. Uh, all right, let's Not go. Let's go to Doug Baldwin versus Nelson Aguilar. This might be a personal conundrum of mine this weekend. Actually, um, Zach Ertz playing on Sunday kind of throws a wrench in all of this. Honestly, uh, Doug Baldwin, you have a, a wide receiver twenty-five, obviously against those. Jacksonville Jaguars, Nelson Aguilar against the LA Rams at wide receiver 39. A drastic difference, but Pat, I don't see that much of a difference here uh, in terms of these two players in terms of their Sunday outlook to me. I don't know. It's tough. I mean, this is just kind of just about Doug Baldwin being a better player than Nelson Aguilar. You can't parachute in for one good game, you know, every four or five weeks. And Doug, obviously, in a prolonged slump, but I mean, it's not even like slot guys have like an excellent matchup against the Jags, but I mean, he probably does have the best matchup. And uh, I think, you know, especially with Russell Wilson presumably running for his life, he might look where he's most comfortable. And that has traditionally been Doug Baldwin. And I just think a better player, 
basically, it comes down to him being a better player than Nelson Which is Aguilar. Fine. It's yeah. it's it's one of these where I do wonder because I I think that Jalen Ramsey shadowed Larry Fitzgerald in the slot this For year like at a times. few snaps supposedly okay. I yeah it wasn't like the whole game so I do but. wonder if he does that for Doug Baldwin but I will say that would be bad if, if Zach Ertz was going to be out I would be like all in on Nelson Aguilar this week because that middle of the field area let's close out with T.Y. Hilton Pat I can't tell you how many people have asked me about T.Y. Hilton this week like around the office should I play him should I not I looked it up and in half point PPR leagues he does not have a single game but from nine to 20 points, right? Everything is either below <laughs> that or above that. And it's been far more below that than above that. So again, Buffalo Bills, Tredavious White almost certainly is playing. Uh, I'm not saying that's a good Bills defense, but at least they have their top cornerback. So what should we see from T.Y. Hilton outside, possibly in the weather in Buffalo? It's, uh, it's a very good question. He's averaging only 58 yards and six road games. Numbers all the way down to 34 if you throw out his 175-yard outburst against the Texans, which came a week after they had lost Deshaun Watson for the season. So the Texans were like kind of the walking dead that week. Um, Hilton, it's just, this is just another one of those things. Uh, he doesn't really have like a zero-point floor. Like he, He's not like Sammy Watkins where he'll have like a zero-catch game. Like No matter what, he'll like always get targeted like five or six times and catch like at least two to three passes. So he has a low floor. It's not like a zero point floor, and it's just like, it's just like, you know, I mean, I'm kind of like hitting on themes I've had all year, but there's just only so low you can rank a guy with T.Y. Hilton's upside. So, kind of just hedging in like that uh, mid range, wide receiver three range, like wide receiver 28 to 32 range with him. And it's Tredavious White having a good season and is back this year, but this week but it's like you kind of alluded to not like a great bills defense certainly one you can rip a big player two on so not saying i really expect ty hilton to do that but it's certainly within the range of possibility for him in any given week and there's only so low he can go uh you can check out pat's rankings again over at rotoworld.com you can check pat out myself out ray out rich out and evan on Roto World Live, which is noon Eastern this Sunday. We'll do our best to help you win your first round of the fantasy playoffs. That will be on Facebook.com slash Roto World. Again, that is Roto World Live. So for Pat and for Evan, I am Josh. Be sure to subscribe to this very podcast if you enjoyed it. We'll talk to you all soon. See ya.
dad to the good stuff at Nordstrom Rack and save big. Father's Day is Sunday, June 16th, and Nordstrom Rack's got gifts dad will love up to 60% off. Shirts, activewear, watches, cologne, denim, and more. Find amazing deals on Tommy Bahama, Cole Haan, Original Penguin, and Vince. Great brands, great prices. So get to your Nordstrom Rack store now and make Dad's Day with gifts up to 60% off. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.